Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some baseball with you here today. Going to be pretty light on the Colorado Rockies because while I am talking Hall of Fame here, I'm not going to beat you over the head with Todd Helton's stuff. Actually, got a video out on Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you run by and you're subscribed to all of that and you're checking that out. Top 10 reasons why Todd Helton belongs in the Hall of Fame. I've talked about it a lot. I've written about it a lot. And there's nobody who's listening to this who needs to be further convinced of Todd Helton's Hall of Fame eligibility and, and candidacy and all of that stuff. So I figured what I would do is... This this would be a good time for my once a year going over the Hall of Fame ballot, telling you who I would vote for and I guess therefore who I would not vote for and why. Uh, Obviously not playing with live ammo yet, maybe someday, but it's always good, I think, to take a a very practical, realistic approach to this uh, as a way of really seeing, you know, where, where the rubber hits the pavement or whatever that road is, what what I actually believe and, and what I would be willing to sign my name to. I'll, I'll begin by saying I do have 10 names on my ballot. I get very frustrated by some of these that I see turned in with no names on them or just one name on them. Uh, even back when it was Derek Jeter, who a lot of people think is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, despite some of the statistics suggesting uh, he was, you know, belongs in the Hall of Fame, but not he's not a top 25, 30, or probably even 50 player of all time, right? But these some of these ballots are, are very frustrating to look at, especially because I find myself in a situation where if my vote was with live ammo, I, I would feel bad for certain players that uh, I wouldn't be able to vote for here. Like, like I said, so I'm, I'm going to go through it and then get down to the part where it's like, okay, now I've got to choose between a handful of guys, uh, right? There are some I'm not going to go over again because I've uh, talked about them in the past. And so I don't want to do too much going over it. Todd Helton, obviously, you all know uh, I would vote for uh, in a heartbeat. Scott Rowland is another one who I think is underrated by a lot of people out there. Again, I've made this argument both on podcasts and in written form before. He has a very similar case to Todd Helton, essentially, where it's just the numbers are pretty emphatic that he belongs. He just maybe was underrated and not famous enough throughout his career, and we've got to go through the job of doing it. Last year, I talked pretty extensively and dove into the cases for Tory Hunter and Andrew Jones, both of whom I would vote for. Uh, so that gets us to four that I'm not going to talk specifically about today. And the fifth one is Bobby Abreu, who I discussed last year as essentially being like my new Rorschach test. I don't think that's quite right. Or or, or the, the case scenario, essentially... If you're better than Bobby, if you're at least as good as Bobby Abreu or better, then I think you belong in the Hall of Fame. If you're under that, then you, you've really got to take a, a close look at it, right, and and try to figure out here. And I said kind of similar on the pitching side for Mark Burley. So that doesn't leave me a lot of room. That's six players carried over from last year that I would already definitely uh, have voted for. And and Burley gets in there, uh, you know, with a, a little bit of extra because of some postseason stuff and the defense, oddly enough. But again, it, it it's that when you're looking at wins above replacement and guys are right on the border, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The other thing worth noting before I get into this, in case anyone hasn't listened to me talk about the Hall of Fame before, 
is that I don't vote for the PED guys. Again, I'm not going to rehash that entire conversation again. That's not really what this podcast is about. So for me, no Manny Ramirez, no Alex Rodriguez, uh, no Gary Sheffield, and uh, obviously before that, right, no on on Bonds and Clemens and those guys. Uh, Luckily, they're no longer on the ballot, so it clears things out a little bit. Um, Okay, I want to begin with one player that I definitely... I'm not going to be voting for, uh, theoretically or otherwise, but I did want to talk a little bit about Houston Street because I saw a couple of people being like, wait, why is he even on the ballot? First of all, if you play long enough, uh, you just you get in the you get on the ballot X number of years, five years after <laughs> your career ends. Right. And then if you don't get enough votes your first time on the ballot, then you will disappear. So there are a lot of guys. And I suspect Houston Street will be one of them, who, in a way, it's kind of an honor just to say that you played long enough, that you made enough of an impact on the game just to appear on a single ballot. That that in and of itself is truly an honor. And it's worth noting that had Houston Street played a few more years, he would have had a really, really interesting case. The guy had a career 295 ERA, a career ERA plus of 141 which is remarkable, right? He picked up 324 saves in his career, only pitched 680 innings. So ultimately, you know, as compared to, say, one player I'm going to talk about, and this maybe even can be a little bit of a transition, transition, we can do both here, is K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez, right? This is his first year eligible on the ballot. It's always difficult with these relievers. But K-Rod has a very similar ERA plus 148, so better, but not so much better that you would say, ah, yeah, for sure, but he's got six, or I'm sorry, 976 innings pitched to Houston Street's 680, right? Uh, where's the grand total saves? 437 saves to Houston Street's 324. But, and then the, I guess the big one, which really helps in these conversations, 14.5 ultimate wins above replacement for Houston Street and a very solid 24.2 for a reliever 20 and up. Uh, Again, these kind of bright lines that I look at, uh, having already established, actually, I don't think I said this either, that I would vote for Billy Wagner as well. And so, and he's got the 20 and up wins above replacement. So Houston Street, not a Hall of Fame player and and falls comfortably short. But I do think, you know, three or four more seasons of uh, of a career. Again, he had 13 years to the 16 that K-Rod was able to put together. He may have, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think Houston Street was a lot better than some people realized throughout his career. He just didn't have the longevity that ultimately gets you into the Hall. And, and that's one of those elements that that really does matter you can't just be great you've got to be great for a very long time and Houston Street was really really good for a decent amount of time but yes the the former Colorado Rocky and and several other things Oakland A and San Diego Padre and Angel I believe uh falls just short yeah I've got it right here in front of me (laughs) so Let's get into a few of these other names. A oh, one other player who I'm, I'm definitely not voting for on here, but I I wanted to mention is Matt Kane. Of course, you all know him from the San Francisco Gi- Giants from all of those years, and absolutely a thorn in the rocky side. Pitched one of the best games in modern times. Uh, I know our guy Mark Knudsen claims it to maybe be the greatest pitched game in history. 
And I was surprised to discover that his career numbers weren't better. I thought he might be a borderline guy, but he's got a career ERA plus of 108. You know, uh, he had his down years that I just don't remember as much because I just always, when I think of Matt Cain, I think of him at the top of his game. And he was really great then. But again, another example of just how hard it is to be a Hall of Fame player for your entire career. So, who are the other interesting candidates? Well, we've got a new guy here in Carlos Beltran, his first time on the ballot. And he surprised me in the other way. Again, I I just kind of go through my head and I go, oh, he's going to be one of these borderline guys, right? He's going to be somebody who's maybe right, right in that Bobby Abreu range of 50 to 55 wins above replacement, uh, you know, the the bat was pretty good, as I recall, but, you know, how good was his defense? Because there were times he was great. There were other times maybe not as much. Did he contribute throughout? And then I had forgotten the longevity of it. I had forgotten how early Carlos Beltran made his debut with the Kansas City Royals all the way back in 1998, playing through the 2017 season. That is a 20-year career for Carlos Beltran. And I was generally right about some of his like raw numbers. When you look at his OPS plus 119, that doesn't blow you away. Good, you know, comfortably above the league average for 20 years, but that's not, you know, the the monster numbers that we see from other hitters, right? He's nowhere close to Todd Helton, for example, not even close. Career batting average of 279, so let's just say 280, right? good not great again 350 on base you love that and we have a bigger appreciation for that these days so okay 350 on base again nowhere close to Todd Helton's like 412 career on base percentage though right and a career slugging of 486 so his OPS is 837 again a good hitter a very good hitter but not a hall of fame hitter not on his own the one thing that's worth noting again and, and longevity plays a role here 435 career home runs okay Guy stacked up a bunch of home runs. He also crossed the 1,500 RBI mark with 1,587. Uh, You know, he he got 2,000 hits, didn't quite get to 3,000, but that he was even coming up on it uh, with 2,725. So you could argue a bit of a compiler here, uh, a little bit similar to the Derek Jeter case where maybe, you know, it's kind of the opposite of what I was just saying about Houston Street, whose individual season numbers are actually more impressive, but he only had the 13-year career. Beltran gets seven extra years of it, crosses some very important uh, thresholds, and, and we go, yeah, the, the 400 plus home runs, 1500 plus ribbies, and all that stuff. But then again, if you want to be the <laughs> astute and informed modern voter or, or debater or, or whatever element you're, you're bringing to this, you look at the wins above replacement and you f- see this whopping 70 number. And that really does put me over the top. You know, that's, again, you you do compile wins above replacement, but that puts him right around the, you know, not quite Larry Walker, Derek Jeter range, but above Todd Helton and some of these other guys. He was a rookie of the year. He was a nine-time All-Star, a three-time Gold Glove winner. Uh, You know, he, he was a part of that 2017 World Series championship team. The highest he ever finished in MVP voting is four. It's an interesting career, right? Like, it was arguably the case that at no time during his career was Carlos Beltran the best player in baseball. In fact, there maybe was only a handful of years where he was a top 
five or top 10 guy. In 2006, he finished fourth in MVP voting. In 2003, he finished ninth. At no other time did he finish top 10. So he was never, you know, Albert Pujols or even, like I've said, Todd Helton. But he was almost always right under that class of player and he did it for 20 years. And ultimately, I I think that that earns him a vote. I think you've got to vote for Carlos Beltran if you're being, you know, consistent with some of these other guys. I've talked a lot in the past about the limits to a statistic like wins above replacement and it shouldn't be the be-all end-all especially for individual seasons or like half seasons when you're voting on who should be in the all-star game I think we get a little bit carried away with it but when you are looking at a huge sample size now of 2,586 major league baseball games played and you see him being comfortably above average every single year for very long times and flirting with greatness in moments as well. The home runs is probably the other thing that I think puts him over the top. 435 home runs. Uh, it, but it, it's a combination of things, right? He also, I didn't do the stolen base numbers. They were never, well, actually, I shouldn't say they were never massive. There were a couple of years. He was a 40 stolen base guy. So he had 300, I, yeah, I shouldn't leave that out. 312 stolen bases to 49 caught stealing. So he was also a fantastic base runner. So yeah, what you have here is a guy who was a very good hitter, phenomenal base runner, a pretty good fielder to at times elite fielder, and had consistency and longevity. It's a Hall of Fame baseball player, even if, oddly enough, he he was never really one of those guys at any given moment, right? I think he actually ends up being quite comfortably a Hall of Fame baseball player. So that gets me to seven. Another interesting candidate on this year's ballot is Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins has a a similar argument in that he wasn't a great hitter. In fact, he was a below average hitter by the park adjusted numbers. A 95 career OPS plus, a 264 batting average, 324 on base, 418 slugging, right? He's not going to have any of the big numbers. 231 career homers. Decent number of stolen bases, 470, caught 105 times. So really good there. But obviously, it, it's not his bat we're talking about. We, we've got longevity again with a 17-year career and wins above replacement again with not anywhere close to 70, but 47.6. Remember earlier when I said Bobby Abreu at 50.2 is basically my, my bright line of if you're better than him than you get in, this comes in just under... And because the one extra thing he's got on his resume is an MVP that, quite frankly, we all know should have gone to Matt Holiday, it's a, a very sad just falls short for me, uh, for Jimmy Rollins, given the limited amount of space here and uh, and the fact that they're, you know, Beltran coming on and, and all of this. Uh, I, I just couldn't quite bring myself to theoretically vote for Jimmy Rollins, despite the fact that I do think he's one of those guys. He's probably more famous than Beltran in certain ways. He, he's one of those guys that kind of defined that era. And, and you think about him when you think of basically that post-90s, right? He played from 2000 to 2016. Perfect. That's exactly the era I think of for Jimmy Rollins. But you do have to get into the, the numbers uh, uh, quite a bit here and... 
again, it's it's almost like, man, if he'd have gotten to 20 years the way Beltran did, he, he might have pushed himself over the top. But for me, there just isn't anything that quite separates Jimmy Rollins enough to say, okay, yeah, he's he's deserves it more than, uh, you know, the Bobby Abreu types or whatever. And when there's, there's only 10 votes to give out, then that's, you know, what it ends up coming down to. Uh, all right. Here's another one that's very, very difficult. Essentially, it's the same thing. Omar Vizquel. And that he's been talked about for a long time. I've, I've gone over it and I'm not going to do it too much again here. But this is really the longevity. He's got an 82 career OPS plus. So low, low, well below league average hitter, but obviously one of the greatest defenders of all time. The big difference here is instead of the three or four gold gloves, the last couple of guys, Jimmy Rollins had four, right? Omar Vizquel's got 11 of them. Now the wins above replacement are roughly the same. He's got 45.6. So he's right there with Jimmy Rollins. But I think the fact that he separated himself as the greatest defender of his era that's what I mean. It's like if you come in just under 50, there's got to be something that makes up for that lack in wins above replacement. Sometimes it can be postseason performance. Uh, but but for me, this is this is the thing. And I also think that there are far too many people who are... I, I think his wins above replacement is hurt a bit by the fact that, and you all have heard me talk about this a lot before, it, it so underrates batting average Omar Vizquel was a career 272 hitter, which isn't huge. Uh, and, and it was really drugged down the, the last several years in his career. For most of, of, of his time as a, you know, during his peak, he was a 300 hitter type of guy. He was a 290 hitter type of guy. And again, I, I know you're not going to get a ton of credit for that in the advanced statistics when they're trying to measure what you're going to do in the future, but it bore out over the course of his career. He had like a career 12% strikeout rate. Uh, so I think he was a more valuable hitter than the metrics are giving him credit for. And he was obviously a superb defender, which is something that the metrics struggle to truly give credit for and, and something that I, I think we're still kind of on the, the verge of doing. Given that he was clearly such an incredible defender and that the batting average, which was his calling card, uh, was something he could do that, again, not like even Rollins with his 260-something, you know, wasn't doing that. So for me, uh, it's a yes on Omar Vizquel. And, you know, I know that's one of the, the more controversial ones, but uh, I, I've really come around on that. So um, that that's my ballot, right? That's my 10. Did I miss anybody? You've got Todd Helton, Tory Hunter, Andrew Jones, Carlos Beltran, Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, Billy Wagner, Francisco Rodriguez, Scott Rowland, and Omar Vizquel, with apologies to Jimmy Rollins falling just short, uh, with apologies to, wait, who is the other? Uh, Jeff Kent is another one who's right on the edge there, and somebody who I totally understand the people voting for him, and I totally understand uh, the people who aren't. If, if I had 11 votes, and, and he's someone I, I didn't vote for last year also in this similar situation, and it's just a lot of his case is tied up specifically into second base. Like none of his career numbers are 
Hall of Fame on the surface, unless you go, well, for a second baseman. And I think that's a really interesting argument. It's not one that, for me, moves him into the Hall of Fame. For others, it is, because they think of it sort of positionally, and I think that that's fair and reasonable. Uh, I think it's entirely possible that on a future version of the ballot, once you know some of these other people are in, that I, I, I could return and vote for Jeff Kent. But I just don't have room for him on my ballot this year with uh, my my votes already going to these other folks. So there you have it. Those are the people that I would and or would not vote for for the Hall of Fame. Is there anybody I didn't talk about that you want me to? Hit me up you know, on Twitter or in the Discord and let me know. Uh, I didn't mention Bronson Arroyo at all uh, because he didn't play for the Rockies and because, uh, like Houston Street, he's likely to be a one-and-done guy on the ballot, I will say. It was always one of my favorite kind of randos uh, throughout the years. I love that he had a band. I love that he had a weird delivery and cool, weird hair and stuff like that. So sometimes I just like looking at these things and remembering, oh, yeah, R.A. Dickey. You know, there's another one who he's not going to get any votes and doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. But you go, oh, yeah, remember remember R.A. Dickey and him having a couple of seasons there where just nobody can hit him? And remember that time he, like, made his debut or his second start ever for, I think it was the Dodgers late in the season where the Rockies were well out of it, but they just pounded the hell out of him. <laughs> I remember that. And just, just these little memories that you get to have when, when you see some of these names. So, uh, yeah, very curious to see. What y'all think out there, if there's a player you want me to dive into their case in the future, do just let me know on Twitter or in the Discord. Other than that, that is my Hall of Fame 2023 ballot for you all. If you've got questions or comments, you know where to find me. Other than, Otherwise, just keep checking out all the written content, milehighsports.com, all the other uh, podcasts on the podcast network, and as I mentioned earlier, the YouTube channel. Make sure you're swinging by there for the top 10 reasons Todd Helton belongs in the Hall of Fame, plus a, a bunch of other stuff that's going to be coming along after that. We're going to have a whole lot of Rockies content on the YouTube channel for you this year, so you're going to want to make sure to be subscribed to that. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake. I hope that you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.